For the past couple of weeks, we've been listening to the more kids' perspectives on what it's like to be a homeschooled kid. What you don't know is that this dinner conversation took place on the eve of the girls leaving for a 10-day handbell choir tour through South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida, where they got the distinct honor of performing on stage at Disney World. Okay. <laughs> I love you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we will need to leave here at 515. I'm so sorry about that. Yeah, they're troopers. We were expected at Dallas Love Field Airport at 6 a.m. That's in the morning. On a Saturday. The first Saturday of spring break. I've never seen so many people at such an ungodly time of the morning. And put all of your bags right there where we can see them and we will not leave like your carry-on. For some break. I was going to say that's not going to happen, but if it's better than the morning. That's what I'm saying. So put your bags all right there together in the living room and then get in bed, okay? You're listening to Beyond Curriculum, a podcast series about something often missing from the homeschool conversation, the perspectives and values that make it possible to cultivate lifelong learners. In our first season together, we've been looking at many of the surprising challenges a mom faces when she becomes a homeschooler. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. I'm so glad you're checking out the podcast. For the best listener experience, I encourage you to pause and start back at episode one. To those of you who have become regular listeners, welcome back. As you probably remember, in the last episode, we looked at how our sons have specific needs in homeschooling, and today we're going to wrap up with what our daughters need. Typically, it's mom doing the majority of the schooling, and so it's safe to say that we moms are ahead of the game with our daughters since we at least have some experience being little girls ourselves. We don't have that advantage with our sons. But still, our daughters are growing up in a challenging world, and if we're homeschooling, then we've also agreed to be their primary guide over the mountains and valleys, through the twists and turns, as they try to find their path. I was so excited on the day I found out we were expecting our first daughter, Jenica. My first thought was that I was getting a living baby doll to dress and cuddle who would grow into a little playmate to have tea parties with, and I had been told would grow up to be one of my dearest friends. And before I could really enjoy that initial reaction, I realized that I was also now responsible for shaping this new little life into a gently courageous and capable woman who can take care of her family, stare the future in the face, and laugh because she was prepared and not afraid. What a set of marching orders. 
In a lot of ways, the hard part of raising sons is just understanding where they're coming from, what makes sense to them, and how they think. From that aspect, raising daughters has been a lot easier for me. What has been challenging is guiding them through this crazy, mixed-up, opinionated world. If you have daughters, I'll bet you've already thought about this. My generation was raised to be superwoman. Perfectly balancing the career and family our mothers fought hard for us to have rather than having to choose between. But now, the career must be epic and world-changing with development opportunities, fair promotion requirements, and penalty-free flexible work arrangements, transparent paths and quick timelines for advancement, with connections to sponsors who will help navigate opportunities and coach decisions related to work and career development all for enough income to pay back crushing student loan debt. And at the same time, if you also add motherhood, according to a recent meme making the rounds on social media, you are expected to make sure your child's academic, emotional, psychological, mental, spiritual, physical, nutritional, and social needs are met while being careful not to overstimulate, understimulate, improperly medicate, helicopter, or neglect them in a screen-free, processed foods-free, GMO-free, negative, energy-free, plastic-free, body-positive, socially conscious, egalitarian, but also authoritative, nurturing but fostering of independence, gentle but not overly permissive, pesticide-free, two-story, multilingual home, preferably in a cul-de-sac with a backyard, and 1.5 siblings spaced at least two years apart for proper development. And never forget the coconut oil because it fixes everything. One of my mentors told me that when things seem really complicated, it's best to simplify, to boil it down to the basics, to reduce the complexity down to the lowest common denominator. So rather than me giving you an episode that will only add to the pressure you've probably already been feeling, I'm sharing with you how Jeff and I boiled some things down into a few basic goals that are helping us prepare our daughters for a different path, yes, but to handle whatever challenges life throws at them. And so like the things that we're learning are more valuable to like our future. And that's part of what I love about it is because I'm very future oriented. So it's helpful for me to see that like, because I'm doing this thing differently, that's going to help me in the future later on. Like I may want to do it the traditional route, (laughs) but whenever I tell myself this will help me a lot more in the future that down the different path because <laughs> <laughs> the different path is kind of scary yeah goal number one we're teaching our daughters to choose their friends well humans are made for relationships and though it may not be pc to say this out loud women are even more relational than men and while we all need a tribe to run with we also become like who we hang around maybe you've heard jim Rowan's quote You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Or the ancient proverb that says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Both of these emphasize the impact our relationships have on us, and our daughters are no exception. So, in a world where it's estimated that half the suicides of young people are related to being bullied, with 10 to 14-year-old girls being at the highest risk for suicide, 
it's absolutely necessary that they know how to choose and be good friends. This is a huge concept that, as I've raised daughters, and I'm not done yet, has consumed most of our time. And you may be thinking that it's weird for me to bring this up in a homeschooling podcast, but if you've been homeschooling for very long at all, you probably recognize that the line between learning and life is very permeable. It's also easy to assume that surrounding your daughter with other homeschool friends is the way to ensure good relationships. I know, I've been burned by that thinking before. So I was fortunate to find other women who were raising daughters who were older than Jenica and Jordan. Those ladies had already sorted through a lot of these challenges, and they helped me figure out the important character qualities I needed to teach my girls to demonstrate and to encourage in their friendships. Things like talking it out and clearing things up when the relationship gets crossways, understanding and valuing loyalty in the relationship, Telling the helpful truth, even if it hurts in the moment, because that's what's truly best for the other person. Sharing opinions graciously and not as inarguable statements of fact. Using words to build others up rather than tear people down. And looking for opportunities to give more than get. It's a tall order, and none of us do this perfectly. But in general... The more faithful and trustworthy the friend shows themselves to be, the more opportunities we provide for them to share life together with our daughters. The less this is the case, the more we limit their exposure. And each of my kids have very close friends who are public, private, or homeschooled, and we've limited time with negative influences who are public, private, or homeschooled. We have to make these decisions based on a lot more than school choice. So what do we do when those faithful and trustworthy friends can't be found and our daughters are lonely? Well, that too is a training opportunity. It can be tempting to spring into action and think that if we're good moms, we'll bend over backward, maybe even compromise our standards if necessary, to fill her social calendar. And just like it can be tempting to put our out-of-control sons in school, we can think our lonely daughters need classmates to fill their relational buckets. It might fix things in the short term, but I've seen it create problems again and again in the long term. So instead, we can raise their sights. Think about your own experience as a grown woman. Have you experienced a season of life that is lonely? Maybe it was the years of being single and working to support yourself. That doesn't always leave a lot of hangout time, does it? Or maybe it's motherhood and homeschooling. I don't know about you, but I've learned that if I don't intentionally calendar friend time in this season of my life, it just doesn't happen. That's one of the things I wasn't prepared for, how lonely being a stay-at-home mom can be. And I'm an introvert. But these are also times where we learn some really important character-shaping qualities. That loneliness doesn't feel so overwhelming if we let it turn our focus outside ourselves to people around us we can help or encourage. And there are always people around. That the characters in books can come to be cherished friends. That being alone gives us time to get to know ourselves and to be comfortable in our own skin. That it's better to be alone than to be with the wrong people. And that lonely seasons don't last forever. 
I think one of the things that is a lot different about homeschooling is that we get the opportunity to learn more like real life things like how to cook and how to clean and getting out in nature and all that that people in school don't typically learn until they're like in their 20s or whatever <clears throat> like yeah they don't experience that kind of thing like they have chores occasionally but that's about it mm-hmm. um because like i know probably a lot of people my age don't really know how to cook much mm-hmm. whereas i i mean i don't know how to cook just a ton but i can i can work it out <laughs> at least. i know how to cook slightly you know how to follow a recipe yeah yeah, yeah. exactly so it's like i know measurements we're learning things that we wouldn't get the opportunity to learn if we were in school. I did not know how to do my laundry until I was in college. Seriously? Seriously. You, were, you were that <laughs> we college student when we were four. Well, she was a college student. Yep, it's true. I learned to do laundry in college. I learned to cook after I was married. And it took me years to learn how to manage all the cleaning and maintenance of household. So when we had daughters, I was determined that they would not stumble into adult life like I did, which leads me to goal number two. We teach them to manage a household and everything in it. I mentioned in episode five that the teenager is a modern concept, and for several reasons, we decided to take our cues from ancient Jewish culture, making it our family goal that our sons would be capable of managing modern American family life responsibilities by the age of 13. And we set a similar goal for our daughters, that they would be capable of running a household by the time they were 13. I'm pretty sure Jewish daughters are taught to manage this by 12, but I figure 13 is a lot better than 19 or 20 like I was. My mom was one of those superwomen. She worked full-time, usually cooked breakfast, packed our lunches, and always had a hot southern home-cooking dinner waiting for us at the end of the day. She took care of the bills and did the grocery shopping and managed to keep our home nice and clean by doing the deep cleaning every Saturday. My brother and I were required to clean our rooms, make our beds, and help with a chore or two on Saturday. Other than that, she handled it. And on this side of motherhood, I have a whole new appreciation for just how tough she was. Much tougher than I am in many ways. But she didn't teach me to do it. I think there was just enough time for her to do it all, with none left to slow down and train me. And truthfully, at that time in my life, I had a lot more interest being on the basketball court than in the kitchen. I didn't have the eyes to see down the road to when I would need these skills, and she didn't have the energy to wrestle me into seeing it. I guess she figured I would learn it when I needed it. And that's exactly what happened. Eventually, I found a system that taught me to manage my household cleaning chores. I found another system that taught me to use one shopping list that kept my pantry stocked for more than 30 different meals. I found a system for training my children to do chores and another for managing our family finances, and still one more system that taught me how to educate them. I like systems. They're very helpful. Okay, I will get the roast going. It's gonna take all day to cook? Yes. That makes it nice and juicy and tender. But then it's gonna smell delicious in here. Exactly. And then I'm sharing the cookbook that goes with this grocery list and menu. I'm sharing that with y'all. So you can pull it up on your phones whenever it's your night for dinner. 
Like so, if you're making a dinner. And now I'm teaching my daughters to use these systems for themselves. But I have to be honest, it is a choice and it comes at a cost. One I resisted paying for a while. I don't like to slow down enough to train others because it means that fewer tasks get completed at a lower quality than I prefer, at least for a while. But if I choose to accomplish the tasks, I sacrifice achieving the goal. Just like I mentioned in the last episode, we're raising men and not boys. We're raising women and not girls. And women need to know how to do all these things. So I make the choice to share my world with them. I take time to explain why and how I do what I do. We use the apprenticeship model. I do, you watch, we do together, you do, I watch, and give feedback. And I choose to let them rearrange my world. Seriously, not an easy choice. For example, They've developed a routine of putting the groceries away and organizing my kitchen such that if I try to help, I'm actually in the way. Sure, it means that sometimes I have to ask one of my daughters where my own appliance or dish is, but I see the value in that because Jenica and Jordan have their own live-in workshop to try things out and decide what works best for them. And gradually, in the course of everyday life, they get way ahead of the game because they're not spending eight hours a day or more in the classroom and because our homeschooling doesn't only focus on academic subjects. And now I have strong, dependable, capable teammates who help me take care of our family of six. Though training my girls to manage a household was a revolutionary idea to me, I think homeschoolers as a whole tend to have a reputation of having daughters who are quite skilled in the home and with children. In fact, I think we run the risk of overcorrecting our culture's ideals of womanhood by only preparing daughters to be wives and moms. There's a caution in Hebrew wisdom literature that says, it is good that you grasp one thing and also not let go of the other. It's good that we train our daughters to manage their homes well. But it's also good for us to train our daughters in matters of business and finance, something I think many homeschoolers overlook or provide only for their sons. So here's goal number three. We teach them to run their own businesses. Jeff and I married young and babies came early in our family life. For the first 10 years of married life, while Jeff was finishing school and building his career, it was helpful for me to be able to contribute to the family finances by teaching music lessons out of our home. Later on, as the kids got older and Jeff made a career change, it was helpful for me to, again, contribute to the family finances. And that's when I launched my company, Excellence in Learning. The problem was, I faced a steep learning curve because I was doing all of this on a music degree which helped with parts of running my own music studio, but caused me to struggle in running these businesses. And if that was the case for me, marrying and starting my family young, how much more so is it for those women who marry later in life or don't marry at all? Thankfully, I've been fortunate enough to work alongside and be mentored by some really great businessmen and women along the way. And I've also found a wonderful series of books designed to help parents guide their students into the world of business by launching and running their own micro-businesses. I've included links to these books in the show notes for this episode. 
But this is another area I realized I need to prepare my daughters for, not just my sons. Because which of us knows what the future holds, right? And that leads us to our final goal in homeschooling our daughters. Goal number four, we teach them to plan for and manage the negatives without fear. Warning. The following statement I'm about to make is not a popular one. Women struggle with fear. We each respond in different ways to it. Some of us ask lots and lots of questions to try to get all the information so we know what to expect and won't be surprised. Others of us just go passive, look for diversions, and do everything we can to avoid the issue altogether. And still others seize control of whatever it is that's making us afraid. Most of us use a combination of each of these, and our daughters are not any different. But they must learn to live in a world of unknowns and insecurity. So we must teach them to handle those situations well. In my opinion, the definition of smart is not like knowing a bunch of facts. It's knowing how to learn. Mm -hmm. So like um, being faced with like a new situation and how to learn a new skill, basically, knowing how to be able to effectively learn that, mm -hmm. which I think we are all very capable of doing because you've given us so many different things and new things to try and learn and do. Most things aren't just handed to you to do. Mm -hmm. It's that you have to figure stuff out and create stuff for yourself. So we're all very capable of picking up a new skill very easily and then being able to just run with it. It may sound like I have this all figured out, like my girls are perfect and can handle anything life throws at them. So let me be the first to say, I don't have everything figured out, and my girls struggle with all these lessons every time they show up. We all do, because life is hard. It's filled with uncertainty, and we rarely see the path from beginning to end. John Bunyan describes it quite well in The Pilgrim's Progress. Then the pilgrims desired with trembling to go forward. Only they prayed their guide to strike a light, that they might go the rest of their way by the help of the light of a lantern. So he struck a light, and they went by the help of that through the rest of this way, though the darkness was very great. But the children began to be sorely weary, and they cried out unto him that loveth pilgrims, to make their way more comfortable. So by that they had gone a little further. A wind arose that drove away the fog, so the air became more clear. Yet they were not off by much of the enchanted ground. Only now they could see one another better, and the way wherein they should walk. So let that be the goal we place before ourselves and invite our daughters to join us in. Even with trembling, to go forward, to ask our guide to give us enough light and enough wind to push back the fog so that we can see one another better and the way we are to walk. Editing help for this episode was provided by Brian Kropp, Laura Hobbs, and Lydia Wong. The voices you heard in the piece were Jonathan, Joshua, Jenica, and Jordan Moore. 
We used original music by Jeff Moore, who also produced the episode. Special thanks to Dorothy Shaw Bell Choir for their performance of Baby Elephant Walk. It always makes me smile. You also heard the iconic 1975 Wonder Woman theme song written by Charles Fox and Norman Gimbel, and a LibriVox reading of an excerpt of The Pilgrim's Progress. If you don't know about LibriVox, they offer free audio recordings of classic works that are in the public domain. Be sure to check the show notes for this episode where I've provided the link to their website. They're a wonderful resource. To keep tabs on Beyond Curriculum, follow us on Facebook and now on Instagram. If you want to give the show a shout out, rate us on iTunes. Also, if you want to be the first to know when a new episode goes live, subscribe at beyondcurriculumpodcast.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Julie Moore, and thanks for listening.